You're about to enter Nowhere, California. If you like what you hear, please search for us on iTunes. Uh, look at Nowhere, California, all one word. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash Nowhere, California. Please hit like. And as always, we are very hungry for your feedback. So if you have any requests or anything like that, please send your love, your hate, or your apathy to Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. This is Nowhere, California, and you're entering another Tales from the Con. This is Phil. This is Josh. Uh, like we said, this is another Tales from the Con. And this time around, we get to hear our interview with two of the minds behind a really, I guess, balls to the wall and then rolling across the room on the floor. <laughs> uh, horror movie yeah. known as Truth or Dare. There's so much to this movie. It's it's a hardcore horror movie. Like You have to be ready to step into this one. And that's what <clears throat> the lovely Jessica Cameron told everybody before the screening started and still somebody walked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But they were very clear they did not false advertise. Yeah, it, hell, they handed out barf bags. Yeah. And the barf bags were uh, labeled with, this is going to be the most fucked up movie you're ever going to see. And honestly, they delivered. But it's not one of those fucked up horror movies where you're wondering why you watched it because... For an independent movie, an independent horror, they did really well with it. And if you do ever get a chance to see a screening of Truth or Dare, and also get an awesome chance to meet Jessica Cameron or Jonathan Higgins, do it, because they're awesome people. It's an awesome movie. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything else to say, but... Uh, but uh, give it a watch. <laughs> and enjoy our interview. Okay, we're here at uh, Days of Dead with uh, Jessica Cameron and John Higgins, the writer and producer and director of Truth or Dare. We just got done finishing watching it. I'm stumbling on my words because that movie was wow. That's <laughs> <laughs> so unique. Thank Thanks you. for taking the time to so talk unique. to us, guys. How have you guys been enjoying the con so far? Uh, really, really fun. I always love Days of the Dead. I did Days of the Dead Chicago last year, and it's always a great time. The people here are phenomenal. Um, Jason Hoover, who organizes the film screenings, is fantastic. And Adolfo and his team just put on a great convention. What this is say? John's first horror con, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't get out much, so... <laughs> no, no, Somebody no. has to stay in and write. It was definitely awesome that they did post the uh, screening listings, because as soon as I saw Truth or Dare listed, I immediately found you on Twitter and was like, okay, I'm going to go into this. I really want to talk to you. <laughs> so awesome, thank I'll you. say thank you again for that. Um, how did this story come along for Truth or Dare? Where did the idea for the script, or who, who brought it to the table? Um, well, I kind of always had this idea when I was a kid that when I would play Truth or Dare games, like, what would happen if somebody dared me to stab myself in the leg? To the point where, like, where I would ask the librarian, you know, I'm trying to find medical books. I want to find out where the least bad place to stab myself in the leg is. Uh, if people look at you weird when you're, like, a seven-year-old asking these things. <laughs> and luckily for me, that never came to pass. Like, they mostly were always like, I dare you to call the boy. But I was like, what happens yeah. if? And then growing up as a horror fan, I was like, why has nobody done this? At least not done it well. Um, and then I would move to Hollywood, and I would come across all these unemployed actors. And I, I would joke to people about how I wasn't scared of, like, the Jasons of the world. You know, like, yeah. that huge hulking guy who kind of has an angry look on his face oh, walking yeah. down the street. Because <laughs> I see him coming, and I cross the street. I'm scared of that, like, somewhat normal-looking unemployed actor who feels that he's uh, entitled to this fame that he doesn't have, that he doesn't get, uh, and that he feels that I've robbed him of or that I'm uh, impacting. That's the guy who scares me because he's fucking crazy. And yeah. Jonathan Higgins is a great writer, and we kind of talked to the story, and you can take it from there. Yeah, we, um, I'm 
I've always had a um, business mindset with certain things, uh, and when, with movies specifically. Basically, I really appreciate a film that I hear about through word-of-mouth grassroots campaign. Uh, obviously, trailers are fine, too, but, for instance, when I heard about a movie called The Serbian Film, oh, where yeah. people were saying, like... Uh, I, you know, I was disgusted. I couldn't finish it. Like it's, it's, it's immoral. It's offensive. It's like I have to see that. Yeah. So when we, and I told Jessica that and I showed her a Serbian film. I said if we can cross boundaries like this film crossed, then I, I want to, you know, awards aside, we're successful. And um, when we started go, attending screenings, when it started to go to the film festival circuit, and we've heard and we saw firsthand people vomiting and, and the world premiere at the Arizona Underground Film Festival. Uh, somebody passed out, uh, hit their face right on the ground. Wow. So when that happened, granted they were okay, I, uh, I wore that fine. with a you know, uh, badge of honor because I feel like I accomplished my job. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, with the story uh, built and everything, what path did you guys take to uh, develop the ideas for the special effects, the gags, the, the blood spilling? <laughs> What was the path to get to there? Well, we we wrote the script and we talked with our special effects artist really early on. In fact, that's one of the first people that we called. And then as soon as we launched it in pre-production, we cut her a check for the material that she'd quoted us because we knew that there was going to... With the special effects, there's always many ways to do the same thing that is all realistic, but it just sort of depends on how much time and money you have. Yeah. Right? So there's ways that you can do it that is a lot slower and takes a lot longer time, but it's cheaper. You know, so for there's something that we use uh, an, a fake arm for... And to get a fake arm that we needed that would, like, you know, be able to be filled with blood and, and show the blood and everything uh, when we needed it to, it would have been, like, nine or 900 to get a cast and to properly do it. Um, or, you know, in this situation, we ended up buying an arm that was about 80% the size of a life arm. So yeah. you put it out of, you put it uh, closer to the frame than you do the, the actor. Yeah. yeah, to fake the perspective so it looks like it's normal size. And we put, like, our actor's ring on it, and we had it... Uh, painted to match our actor's skin tone so all of that was done in advance so that then we just rigged it so they would have the effect that we needed but that cost us forty dollars but was more time consuming for a makeup artist rather than having an arm cast done by a third party and having it taken care of so we tried to do things like that as much as we could i thought we were going to have to honestly uh for forego some of our original intention but I don't think there was anything that we really couldn't no, do. everything and by the way it's from the amazingly talented Carrie Mercado Yes, uh, love she, her. She was a one woman machine. She did all of it by herself, all the special effects um, and going back to that arm gag when we were filming that it was bending, and it, would, it was uh, the arm was bending. And it, uh, when we did the, the actual spoiler stab motion, and uh, it, it it was like, oh, well, you can tell that that's not a way an arm bends. And so, you know, one of these I loved everybody working on the movie was for the movie because our first AD, Joshua Lou Friedman, he were like, oh, you know, the arm's bending this way, and he like literally gets a coat hanger, he cuts it, and he sticks it into the arm. And you know, that's not his job. He's yeah. the first AD, and then it. it looks real. I mean, it looks completely like a real arm. And then it didn't end oddly. It, it stayed uh, straight, and it's just, you know, a coat hanger. Just, yeah. That's insane. Um, what was the complete budget for the movie? We will never tell you. 
I always say, I, <laughs> I, I, always say uh, I like it best when people ask me that in front of an audience because I always tell them to show me their penis. Uh, <laughs> because it's a little bit different when you're in such an intimate setting. Because uh, it really is like an I show you mine, you show me yours. Yeah, and it's like, I, you know, it's, it's just like asking to see your bank statement. Yeah. You know, and just so you're listening, uh, if you do wonder, that has a very direct result if it gets out or if we tell anybody. Basically, distributors will often base their minimum guarantees on what they speculate yeah. your budget cost. Mm-hmm. So if you're really good with bu- managing a budget or spending money and, you know, put a lot of sweat equity into it, um, but they know that you only put X number of dollars, chances are they're going to give you that X number of dollars, which is just kind of kind of productive when you want to uh, make them. Yeah, and so, you want a fair rate. Yeah, well, We will tell you it was cheaper than Avatar. It was cheaper than Avatar. Fair enough. It was comfortably below a million. (laughs) Absolutely fair enough. (laughs) The location, uh, such an isolated location, uh, what brought you guys to choosing that uh, loca- uh, location, if I could say location, and five more times. intense <laughs> desire to not shoot in L.A. Yeah, uh, filming in L.A., it's not, it's, uh, it's not a fun experience. Yeah. If anyone's ever dealt with film in L.A., it's, um, it's very unfortunate. It's like continually going out to dinner every night with your ex who you can't stand, mm. and just fights ensue. It's, film in L.A. sucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's, you know, and there's always the logistical problems when, even with a small film crew, if you're shooting in LA, you have to deal with the headache of parking, yeah. and that right there can eat up so many, so much man hours for something so fucking stupid. It's like really, I just want parking. So mm-hmm. we went outside. We, we filmed most of it in uh, Salton Sea, which was great. There's plenty of parking in Salton Sea, I'll tell you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And they kind of let us have their own the town. And for us, we didn't really need. We didn't need like a specific cityscape because it takes place majorly in one location, which is a, per- a brand new home purchased. Uh, and when we looked at it, we're like, objectively, our male lead wouldn't be buying a house in LA. <laughs> That'd be even too much money for them. You know, they have a couple hundred grand. What would they buy? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, let's just say he's bought, you know, a house in the middle of nowhere. Like that works. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the line when he said, "I'm 27 year old that owns my own home." Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's true. Yeah. Good for you, dude. You're yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wish yeah. I could say the same. <laughs> oh, sure. Same here. Um, getting into the cast, the cast was amazing. Everybody, Thank you. Thank you. like Tony's humor and everything. <laughs> Even when Brandon, yeah, don't talk about Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, also uh, Derek was Ryan a Kaiser. nutcase. <laughs> um, I guess to jump into the, the cast questions, how was the character of uh, Derek developed? Um, we really focused on all those unemployed actors and then tried to, to utilize uh, their personality traits because they're largely similar. Yeah. You know, they all believe that they're that talented actor that's just, that everybody's out to get them. And it's like nobody even knows who you are. You and, know? Yeah, and the, the Uber fan, too. It's, it's somebody who, obviously, here at uh, this convention, you <laughs> see super fans talking to their idols and not saying that their idols don't care but the idols have heard every single question that this yeah. person's asking yeah. and they don't care yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. but what would make them snap and it's like well let's put them in a situation where he's around the people that have what he wants and don't care and they don't respect him and he greatly adores them like let's let's what would happen what would he do yeah and there's it was a combination of a lot but it's somebody Basically, as real as you can, real as we can make the villain, uh, not taking the villain character itself over the top, because obviously the entire film's over the top yeah. in terms of gore. But we wanted to have the villain just be very grounded in that sense. Uh, with uh, basically the dark tone of the movie, uh, 
How did you guys uh, keep it upbeat on set when it was like downtime or between shots and everything? <laughs> um, well, I mean, as soon as we wrapped, I always said there will be an endless amount of food and liquor. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of what we did is we really gave people, we tried to not work them more than 12 or 14 hours a day, which is uh, pretty average on a film set. You know, 12 to 14 hours is pretty standard. Um, and then on ours, we had the added bonus that they didn't really have to travel to and from set. So for me, working in L.A. primarily, if I work in L.A., that's always like the kicker. Because if I'm working a 12-hour day, it's really a 15-hour day by the time I deal with driving and parking. See, parking again. Yeah. Driving and parking. It's mm-hmm. a fucking bitch. Yeah. But it can easily add three hours to my work day. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have to go to and from one location that even could mirror rush hour, it's like you've got a budget for an hour and a half each way. Yeah. Even if it's somewhere that technically is a 20-minute drive on a map. You know, you've got a plan for an hour and a half. So uh, I think having everybody staying there, although that had some other challenges, just, you know, obviously everybody didn't get a bed. There's people bunking up. You had a shower. Mm-hmm. But that was just so much better than taking time out of their resting and getting... Yeah. A location that would have enabled them to be home in bed and just having to transport every day. Yeah, yeah and then people being late, that didn't happen. So mm-hmm. when you're living, shooting on, that's another reason I love shooting on location and mm-hmm. literally shooting at the house we shot in. But also to go back to the, like, the, the morale, keeping the morale up, which is very much my job as a producer, is making sure everyone's happy, is uh, we're lucky enough, we've got to drop his name again. Um, our first AD, Joshua Lou Friedman, his day job is he is Hugh Hefner's bartender. So he knows how to make a drink. Let's just put it that way. And uh, he so would as, job? Yes. as yeah. As soon as he would, you know, as soon as we wrapped the day, everyone was looking at Josh, be like, "Hey, what, what can you make?" Yeah. And uh, he was great. He's a he's a storyteller. He's hilarious. And then um, there was even like on, and I'll say every day, no matter how extreme it was, we'd all after the fact. Uh, be able to laugh and joke and hang out with each other, with the exception of the bottle day. So when the bottle, the, and, I, and I won't spoil it, yeah. but the bottle scene oh, when we Debbie left, oh, Pin is a romantic love scene. <laughs> yeah, that over exaggerated. It's super romantic. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's very close. But no, mm-hmm. after that scene happened, after we filmed it, and that was the last scene on the on the cards for that day scheduled. Um, I've never seen. Or experienced something like that because everyone was so bothered by the on-screen carnage, and obviously <laughs> it, was a, it was a close set. But yeah. um, delicate we, we, flowers. It mm. was. Uh, everyone was like, "I think I'm just gonna go to bed." <laughs> you know, it was oh, like wow. a, it was like a funeral home because people yeah. were just so disturbed. And I'm like, seeing that as the producer and, and the writer, I was like, "Yes, this is working." Because yeah. <laughs> you guys know it's fake, and you're you're seeing this happen, and it still bothered him. Yeah. And you know, and then one of our other crew members was like dry heaving. Yeah. As we were watching playback, so yeah, when we got to that scene, not to reveal anything, we're we're both in there, and I'm even looking at him. We were both quiet. We were just <laughs> I was quiet the entire thing because I'm just yeah. sitting there. I know scared. you're like you can't do that. Holy fuck, they're doing. They're, that. Yeah, they yeah. they went there. Yeah, they, that's the whole thing. Oh, we go there for like four and a half minutes. <laughs> that's that. It was the duration was another surprise. <laughs> not only did not only did it happen, it's a marathon. I'm like I, I'm like. It's still going on. It had to be believable. Oh, we it, had was, to it was. Yeah. And it, 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 it had conveyed. to be like it. We won't. I don't want to give a spoiler, but oh. there's a. It takes a while for the ending to happen. Like in real life, if it were to happen, it wouldn't be something. It would be instant. Mm-hmm. So that's why we really wanted to do it right. Um, with horror movies, and especially with this one, there's too many people. Like we did have somebody walk out during yeah. our screening. 
I always butcher the quote, but uh, Eli Roth said about test screenings when it comes to horror movies, like, you're not supposed to leave feeling good. Yeah. You're supposed to be going like, what the freak did I just watch? <laughs> well, but here's the thing, like, but horror movies should, like, and they should, horror movies, here's the thing, I don't think a horror movie should push everyone's buttons, because I think then you're just trying for it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the very nature of a horror movie itself is you're making somebody's fear come to life Mm -hmm. so if everybody likes it then you probably made like a feel good puppy movie at Christmas time starring Dean Cain Uh, like it's probably (laughs) just throwing it out there like you probably didn't make a horror film because the whole point of a horror film is to push somebody's buttons like Mm -hmm. that's the whole point if everyone likes it then you didn't do your job right and there's a there's a great quote by um, David Fincher who says he said "I've, I've always wanted to make movies that scar you know and that reading that before I went into the film industry that's you know the business model I'm kind of following right. is because I like I like again it's very hard now to scare audiences yeah um, but and not saying this is easier to do I think it's just something I'm more capable of doing is to discuss them <laughs> so and not not just by on-screen carnage but a lot of the ideas of it because mm-hmm. as you probably saw in Truth or Dare yeah some of the gnarliest stuff wasn't even violence yeah you know? it was the I won't spoil anything but the discussions they were having which mm-hmm. a lot of people said. They were more disturbed by that than the actual violence. So yeah, as soon as those started uh, snowballing, it was just like, "Where is this freaking going?" <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, and it, it did. It literally just went everywhere. Um, ba- thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, before we go, um, do you guys have any upcoming projects and that you would like to tell our listeners, and then also to where we can find you online? Yes, please. Um, we're currently working on our next slate of films, which you can still get involved. We're going to be launching an Indiegogo, actually, this week. Uh, we, did, we did raise uh, some money on our website, which has been really great, but we're going to do an Indiegogo just for the little bit of the rest of the funds. We're going to travel across country uh, to make three movies. So we're going to make two feature-length films back-to-back nice. over three weeks, and then we're going to document the whole process. Our goal is, uh, ideally, the only thing cooler than being in the movies is uh, than watching a movie is being in them or being ar- around them and being involved. So we're trying to find ways to sort of bring horror films to the fans as much as possible. So where, you know, everybody, uh, basically, if you contribute to the campaign before October 6th, you'll get a pin in your city state, and that's going to be determining where we film. So the top six states with the most pins and and, uh, pins in the city states, we're going to film, and those six states, we're going to plan our trip around. So we'll hit a whole bunch of other areas, and then everyone who contributes, we're going to tell them, like, where we're going to be hitting and approximately when, if you want to come meet us, if you want to come join us for food, whatever you want. Uh, We're going to try to bring you involved as much as possible you know we need a car let's try to use one of the fans car because that's pretty fucking cool yeah. uh you know things like that we really want to bring everybody involved in um and we're going to travel making my next feature uh that i direct called mania which is a fucked up lesbian love story that's actually written by john higgins and then we'll produce uh, desolation which is um about a couple that picks up the worst hitchhiker and it's going to be directed by ryan m andrews uh, it's going to star heather Dorst from truth or dare and we have a wonderful female lead for Mania that's signed on, but I can't make it official or can't publicize it yet, so stay tuned for that. Um, and then document it for those people who can't come out to see what we do. We're going to have a feature-length documentary so you guys can be with us for as much as you know possible. So it's going to be fun. We're pretty excited. All the heartache and pain and uh, joy of making films. You're probably going to watch John break down. Yeah, I'll break down for sure. <laughs> yeah. But that's called uh, the docu- feature-length documentary. is called Kill the PA. And you can find out more about the projects on killtheproductionassistant.com. Nice. Yeah. And, of course, with it, this being Nowhere, California, we have a particularly interesting trademark end question. So we'll pose it to you guys. What is your favorite what-the-fuck movie moment? <laughs> Especially after seeing that movie, this is going to be interesting. <gasps> Goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, you go first. Um, 
um, I'll give you two examples because uh, one's a recent one that just came to mind. But um, the first one I can think of is uh, the second one I can think of is a Serbian film. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene at the end where he finds out. Spoiler, yeah. uh, finds out he's actually raping his son. So I was like, wow. They went, the film yeah. off and on. I was like, uh, they went there. Okay, what mm-hmm. the fuck? And then a, a recent one, which is not nearly, it's not gory at all. I just remember watching, I was watching this with Jessica, and, and uh, I looked at her and I said, what are we watching? Spring Breakers, when, um, oh. when uh, what's his face? James Franco starts doing, call, well, first he calls Britney Spears. Uh, Britney Spears the greatest singer of all time and then he goes into that montage but he's playing it on a piano you know that, <laughs> yeah. that whole and then it's like them partying and raging with these you know bikini clad women and pink ski masks yeah. and I'm like and James Frank with cornrows and, and you know platinum teeth and a, you know a grill I'm like what, what is this that's <laughs> <laughs> perfect well, yeah, so those are my examples yeah, I mean, I think uh, Spring Breakers, obviously, for me, too, because we kind of both had that, and I still have mixed feelings about whether or not I like it it's or amazing. not, right? It's, <laughs> no, it's amazing. <laughs> right? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like, every time I hear Lindsay Lohan get cast, I have a what the fuck moment. Yeah, yeah. You, you know? Go. I'm like, they're making a Sharknado, too? What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> Asylum's making another movie. What the fuck? They're not bankrupt yet? Uh, <laughs> uh, I just read on IMDb, they, they're in pre-production on Sharknado 3. Oh, uh, what the fuck, right? <laughs> there there, I go. just had a what the fuck moment. Um, there's not a lot as far as, like, horror. I'm trying to remember the last what the fuck moment I had, and I, I honestly... I don't even know if I like. I guess when I saw the the baby part in a Serbian film, I had a what the fuck moment. Not because they were doing that, because mm-hmm. I was like, "This is what everyone has a problem with." It's clearly a doll. It's not even in frame, really. I mean, you just <laughs> see little legs. It's not like you see the fucking baby. I was thinking from what everyone said that you so fucking saw the baby getting penetrated. They must have had like an animatronic <laughs> child or something, yeah. right? To be really offensive. Like if I were to shoot that, I would make it so fucking offensive. You fucking feel that baby rape. <laughs> there is a sequel plan. We're not touching babies. Cool. Awesome. That's what I say now. Thank you so much, guys. Anytime.